Our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. Amen. Good morning and welcome to worship. This morning in worship, the Savior who is born for all the world, the Savior who lived and died and rose again to save sinners in all the world, urges us to go and be fishers of men, to share that good news with all the world. In our sermon today, we focus on the message that he has commended to us, the message of reconciliation. Our second reading in the words of our sermon text this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 21. For the love of Christ compels us because we came to this conclusion. One died for all. Therefore, all died. And he died for all so that those who live would no longer live for themselves but for him who died in their place and was raised again. As a result, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we knew Christ according to the flesh, we no longer know him that way. So that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. And all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ inasmuch as God is making an appeal through us. We urge you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who did not know sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is the word of the Lord. The gift we have to offer is Christ, our Lord's decree, that all have been forgiven The Savior is calling me. Amen. In the name of and to the unending glory of that Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, dear fellow redeemed. I admit that there was a time in my life when not even the threat of punishment was going to stop me from delivering a message. Back in my grade school days, there were times when I had something that I felt that I just had to whisper or to pass in a note to a friend of mine several desks away. Not even the teacher's threat of punishment, nor of taking that note and reading it out loud to the entire class was going to deter me. I was bound and determined to deliver that message. And in my juvenile mind, it just couldn't wait until recess. It wasn't right. It was disobedient. I should have followed the rules and been listening to my teacher. But I was determined to share that message. What if we had that same kind of determination when it comes to delivering God's message, the gospel? Friends, that's our calling as Christians. 
That's the work that the Lord has entrusted to us to go into all the world and to preach the good news. That's our God-given service, or as Paul calls it here, our ministry of reconciliation, to go to a world that is filled with souls that are dying and to tell them about the life-giving Savior, Jesus. That's what Paul's talking to us this morning about in the words of our text. The message of reconciliation. Let's think about that message together today. We first of all think about its details. Because if we're going to share this good news of the gospel, we need to understand, to know, and to trust what it says and what it is. In other words, we need to understand this message of reconciliation that God has given us. So in simple terms, what is it? Friend, you need to know because this is the beating heart of our Christian faith. Paul sums it up beautifully for us in our text when he says it like this. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. God made him who did not know sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, just think about that. First of all, we're told that God is not counting our trespasses, our sins against us. What grace. When a store charges you for something, you're going to be expected to pay for it before you walk out the door. When you whip out your credit card and go on a mad shopping spree, Eventually, you're going to have to pay for every single item that you bought. You racked up the bill, you're going to have to pay the price. But friend, it is not that way in the economy of the grace of God. When God no longer charges our sins to us, that means that we are not held liable to pay for them. It means that God will not hold those sins against us, that he has, in fact, forgiven those sins, that he has chosen to remember them no more, that he has canceled out all our debts, the debt that our sin had racked up. He is not counting your sin against you. Now, how is that possible? Paul tells us it happened in Christ. Christ is the key. Christ is the answer. Christ is the cure for the deadly disease of sin. Christ is the one who our text tells us did not know sin as the eternal Son of God. He is the spotless, sinless Lamb of God. That's the only way he could ever be qualified to be the world's Savior if he had no sin. And yet in love, that Savior was made to become sin for us. In other words, God chose in love to charge my sins, your sins, the sins of the world to the account of Jesus. And he took them on and he paid the price for every single one of them at the cross. Years ago as a child, I was playing ball in the yard and the ball left my hand the wrong way and it went sailing right through my neighbor's window and she was angry. I was just a kid. I didn't have a job. I had no money. My mom and dad paid for her new window. 
Our sins were not simply overlooked by our holy God. He's also a God of justice. They were charged instead, not to us, but to the sinless Son of God. Innocent though he was, Jesus took our sins on himself and paid for them in full when he died on the cross and suffered hell in our place. He was made to become sin for us. So our sins were placed on Jesus. But it didn't end there. The Lord's explaining to us here at the end of our text to the Apostle Paul that God now charges the holiness of Jesus to our account. A glorious exchange took place. God took our sins and placed them on Jesus, and he took Jesus' holiness and placed it on us. And we now stand holy and righteous in the sight of God. That message of reconciliation, friend, is simply this, that God has taken us, who, because of our sins, were estranged from God, to put it mildly, and made us his friends. He made us his children. He put a stop to the hostility that existed between us and him and established peace through Christ. You are reconciled to God through faith in Christ Jesus. You and God are now at one. You have been fully atoned. That's our gospel message. That is our certain hope for eternal life in heaven. That's what we're all about. And that, friends, is our ministry of reconciliation, to share that glorious message with all the world. But let's also think about the impact of this message. Because news like that if you truly take it to heart, simply cannot leave you unaffected. The message of reconciliation not only saves us, it changes us, it influences us, it impacts us. By nature, without this gospel truth planted firmly in our hearts, the only thing that we could be driven by in life were our sinful desires and our sinful wishes. But not anymore. Now, the Lord says through Paul, Christ's love compels us. That love that God has shown to us in Christ our Savior is our driving force in life. It compels us to do whatever we do in our new lives as God saved people. You know, there's really no arguing that love is a compelling force in our world today. Think of two young people who have fallen madly in love they work through their busy schedule to find time that they can spend with each other, getting to know each other. Even if one of them might be notoriously tight-fisted with his money, he, he doesn't think twice about buying a lavish gift for his beloved. That loved one is somebody that they think about every single day without fail. See, love compels people. It's the love of Christ that compels us. Paul gets specific. How does Christ's love impact us? He says, we no longer live for ourselves. Instead, we want to live for Christ who lived and died and rose again for us. Parents can identify with that. Because of their unconditional love for their children, parents live for their children. They work hard in order to support their children, in order to provide for their children. They wipe their runny noses. They kiss their owies. They shuttle them here, there, and everywhere. They forfeit hours of precious sleep 
They sacrifice things that they might want for themselves because after all, their children come first. As the children of God, we no longer live for ourselves but for Christ who died for us and was raised again. His forgiving love stretches into every nook and cranny of our hearts and lives. It's that love that Christ has shown us that makes us want to think of him and meditate on his word both day and night. It's the love that he has shown us that leads us to want to say no to sin and ungodliness and yes to what is right in his sight. It leads us to love others, even our enemies, even people who have mistreated us. leads us to love them the way that Christ has loved us. And it reminds us, that love of Christ reminds us, even in the darkest times that we face in life, that we don't have to despair because Christ is our all in all. When we have him, we have everything that we need no matter what. And yet how often we forget that, right? Think about all those times when you have let sin get the upper hand in some given moment. When you caved into temptation as though the will of God was something you could afford to move to the back burner, it can wait until later. Think of the times when you've grown momentarily tired of living for the Lord and following his will and decided to just run off and do whatever you wanted. How easily we find ourselves doing what we want instead of what our Lord wants for us, and that's sin. Praise God that he in Christ is not counting those sins against us, but has freely forgiven us, has washed us clean with the blood of our Savior. So remember who you are. Paul says that in Christ, you are new. Paul says if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. Believers, let's be impacted by the incredible, compelling love of Christ in a world that is constantly telling us, look, you're a good person. God isn't watching you all that closely. Do whatever you think is best. Do whatever feels right to you. Everyone else is doing it. Let's instead say, no, the love of Christ beats in this heart, and that love compels me. It's not what I want that's important. It's what God wants for me. He is my all in all. He's my life and salvation. I'm not living for me. I'm living for him who lived and died and rose again for me. More than just impacting the way that we view life, Paul's telling us that the love of Christ is impacting the way we view those around us. Verse 16 says, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we knew Christ according to the flesh, we no longer know him that way. Paul no longer looked at people from a worldly point of view. He looked beyond the surface of things. He wasn't just looking at uh, how young or old they were, how they looked, what ethnicity they happened to be, whether they were rich or poor. He no longer viewed people to see how he could use them to get what he wanted. Instead now, with this message of reconciliation in his heart, Paul was viewing others as souls whom God loves, as people for whom Jesus died. 
And from that perspective, he looked at them not in terms of what he could get from them, but rather in terms of what he could give to them. And the best thing that he could give them was the message of the gospel and the forgiveness and eternal life that it brings. Dear friend, the best thing you could ever give anyone else in the world is the message of reconciliation, to share Jesus with them. In other words, when it comes to this message of reconciliation, we are its agents. Paul says here, we are ambassadors for Christ. Just like a political ambassador represents our country and its interests in a foreign country, so also we are Christ's ambassadors. We represent the interests of him and of his kingdom as we live our lives in this world. Our mission in life is to proclaim the crucified and risen Savior, to share the news of salvation, to share the gospel that Christ has made peace between God and sinners, that God has reconciled the whole world to himself. Paul doesn't say, I wish you would be ambassadors for Christ. He doesn't say, for crying out loud, for once in your life, be an ambassador for Christ. He just says, we are ambassadors for Christ. And everything that we say and everything that we do, the way that we live, the way that we approach life, reflects on our relationship with our Lord. We're to be about his work and to look for opportunities to share his unyielding love with other people in our community, in our country, and in our world. And we are. A percentage of our weekly offerings goes to support mission work, both here in the United States and around the world. But can we also do that personally, each of us in our own lives? Because no one can be saved without Christ. We have the gospel. Let's be Christ's ambassadors. And we're learning how to do that even better right now in our Sunday morning Bible study. How to love people. How to listen to people. And how to lead to an opportunity to share the gospel with them. And there's information in your bulletin this morning about a new round of Bible basics classes coming up starting in early February. This is a perfect chance for you to go to that relative, that friend, that associate, that neighbor, and invite them to come with you and to learn more of this glorious good news of Jesus. You can hear the urgency in Paul's voice, can't you? God is making an appeal through us. We urge you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is such a crucial matter. Needless to say, it is infinitely more important than anything that I felt compelled to whisper to a classmate when I should have been listening to my teacher. God has commended to us the message of reconciliation. People need Jesus. We have that message. It's the only message that can save them from an eternity spent in hell. Let's share it with them before it's too late. Let's go and be, as Jesus said, fishers of men. Let's embrace this ministry of reconciliation and be ambassadors of Christ to be what God has called us to be. Amen.